Hey listeners, it's been a while, a much longer while than I had hoped. I really did have every intention of continuing this podcast from Spain, but when I got there, well, let's just say those first few weeks were much harder than I had anticipated. But now I'm back home and I'm ready to tell you all about it. The good news, the hopes and dreams I had, they all came true. The bad news, well, I'm not sure there is any, which is even better news. If you want to hear the details, please stay with me, and I'll also be sharing with you my plan for the conversations I hope to have for season two. You're listening to Everyone Has a Story with Erica Senor. Thanks for being here. In the last episode, I talked a lot about my fears, my shame, and my hopes and dreams for our year abroad, with a pretty big focus on my kids. Well, as it turns out, my kids were not the problem in those first few weeks. I was the weak link. They were troopers, and they took to their new school, the new language, and the new norms of Spain beautifully. I, on the other hand, cried every day for three weeks. But that's all in the past now, because now I'm home. And I can say that our time in Spain was the adventure of my life. And I got to experience it, the ups and downs, all together, the four of us, us against the world. It was nothing short of spectacular. And now that I'm home and people ask me what it was like, my answer is that it was magical. Once the tears stopped and I slowly became acclimatized to the changing culture, I was able to really sink in and appreciate and take advantage of all that Spanish island living gave to our family. I'm happy to say that most of the hopes and dreams I had for that year came true. I did hike in the mountains every week. We were on a boat as much as possible. I tried to learn the language. The kids made friends. We traveled a ton. And we just breathed it all in. When you go into an experience with a time limit, when you can see the finish line, I think it's easier to take advantage of every opportunity. To find ways to say yes a lot. Easier to live each day doing all the things. Of course, we still had a schedule, and that certainly was my savior. But those 10 months felt like a sabbatical for my life. Not just for me, but for all of us. If you're interested in hearing about how my hopes and dreams and fears and shame turned out, I'll review them. And then after, I want to talk about the future of this podcast, because I missed it. But I think the format and style needs a change. And I'm hopeful you guys, the listeners, will be patient with me on this, maybe even help me along the way. But first, my hopes. My hope that my kids would be taken out of their Toronto bubble and experience new people and new cultures, this one really came through. I'd assumed that sending my kids to an international British school would only expose them to Brits. <laughs> I was wrong. Almost every kid they met were true international kids, in the sense that most of them spoke three to four languages. Every parent was from a different European country, and they had lived in many places around the world. These weren't diplomats or army kids or anything, but unlike in North America, where we may move cities, states, or provinces, Europeans, I'm guessing because of the EU, often spend years in different countries. So the kids themselves were more adult-like. I was surprised by how the 12-year-old boys were happy to sit and chat with me in our kitchen, or how my daughter's 10-year-old friends were super independent and self-assured, having to pick up and move schools multiple times in their lives. The socioeconomic spectrum of my kids' friends was huge, much bigger than I could have imagined. So my kids were exposed to friends who had money like they've never seen. I'm talking 200-foot yacht money but also friends who couldn't afford an after-school activity that cost $30. This was particularly eye-opening for my son, 
and I was so grateful that they saw and befriended kids from such different cultural and financial backgrounds. There definitely was no bubble and no norm. We wanted to travel, and we did that. Every school holiday, we went somewhere, because traveling in Europe at 40 bucks a flight is much easier than over on this side of the world. Italy, England, Morocco, Israel, mainland Spain, we took full advantage. And we also benefited from seeing friends in many of those places, which made those trips even more special. Time on a boat and time hiking? Check. Getting to spend 10 months out in nature, in the mountains, on the ocean? This was truly the highlight of living abroad for me. I understand why I live in a major urban center and the benefits that come from that, namely career opportunities for us and our kids. But I just have to say that living in nature, spending time outdoors all day, every day, it's just good for the soul. I really try in my life to practice gratitude and presence, but I find it super hard. And then we get to Majorca and I'm smacked in the face every day by gratitude and presence. It's like I didn't have to bring it forth or practice it. It just hit me every time I turned a corner and saw the Mediterranean Ocean crashing into the cliffs. And that was just on the kids' drive to school. And it never got old. And I never stopped appreciating that feeling and having immense gratitude for the beauty of the place in which we were living. And this is definitely the thing I miss the most. Friends, for me, this one was harder. It took much longer than I thought it would. And that was a challenge because... I'm an extreme extrovert. I need conversation and connection with others to energize me. I did find it eventually in a bar class full of South Africans and Germans, and yes, one American, and I'm forever grateful to those ladies for bringing me into the fold. But I would say to anyone thinking about a move, this is definitely the biggest challenge. It requires you to essentially date people, and it's exhausting, sometimes demoralizing, and it can make you feel even more lonely despite being around people. It was our toughest challenge by far. The podcast continuing over there, well, you know how that turned out. I opted for Spanish lessons, walks through small Spanish towns, hikes, and boating instead of the podcast. And I did feel shame about that. I still do. My business thrived, thanks in no small part to my partner, who took on the lion's share of the work. My kids did make friends, and I do believe that after this experience, they'll be more apt to spend a year abroad during their schooling or take the opportunity to travel when it's presented to them, perhaps more so than they would have had we not done this. Me showing them my fears and discomfort to model how to overcome discomfort? This one I delivered in spades. It actually became a running joke in those first few weeks when one of the kids would say, hey, mom hasn't cried yet today, good for you. Needless to say, I never wear sunglasses, but they were a fixture on my face those first three weeks to hide my tears. I cry a lot when I'm uncomfortable, and moving to a country where you don't speak the language or know anyone, it was uncomfortable. I would say that it took me until the six-week mark to stop regretting the decision and to start feeling the gratitude. And now I know, if I ever want to do something like this again, it has to be for three to four months minimum, because the first six weeks will take me down. I'd love to say that I learned from this experience and I'll go with the flow next time around, but no. I know how I react in newness. It takes me a while, and that's okay. It's just more information about myself to be aware of. Okay, now my fears. I was pretty scared. I was scared about sickness and healthcare. Ironically, I've been enormously lucky in my life so far and never had to take my kids to the hospital here. In Majorca, both my kids had to go to the hospital. One for a sprained leg and the other to have his head stapled after being hit by a metal windmill sculpture thing. And it was okay. We were okay. 
Thankfully, and luckily, nothing happened to my family back at home while we were away. But that's a crapshoot, and you can't live your life not doing the things because of what might happen. So this time we got lucky, which was great. I was scared I'd be homesick for most of the time and squander the opportunity. The good news is, I was only homesick for six weeks of the ten months. Having my husband and the kids there definitely helped, and the travel and the friends. But no, this didn't happen. I wasn't longing for home the whole time. My eyes were opened every day to the gift this was. Being lonely. Again, this didn't happen either. The kids made friends within a matter of days, and although it took me a few months, the bouts of loneliness I experienced were the strongest in those first few weeks, and once I got on a schedule, they dissipated. My fear around resentment and this experience being destabilizing? No, that didn't happen either. But now that we're back, I can say that it's been a surprise for me to see how hard it's been for the kids to reintegrate into their old schools. It was almost easier going to a new school where you don't know anyone than it has been coming home. I'm hopeful this is short-term, but that's been something I didn't anticipate. I wasn't scared or uncomfortable or stressed. And again, I think this is partly due to the time constraint and the need to soak it all in, because 10 months really is a blip. And once we passed April, those three months flew by. So now here we are, back at home, back in the same schools, back with family and friends. The transition home has been a work in progress because it's the pace that's different. In Spain, everything is slower urgency, efficiency, it's not only not valued, but it's regarded in a negative light. The best examples I can give here is there's no honking, ever. Even when drivers stop to chat with a pedestrian on the street for up to five minutes, we all just sit and wait patiently for the conversation to end. Or the fact that I almost never saw anyone getting takeaway food or coffee. It's just not a thing. I remember there was one day I was in a rush and I really wanted to call my local coffee shop for a cafe con leche to go. And then I realized that I couldn't. They wouldn't really understand what I was trying to do. It's just not done. When you have a coffee, you stay, you chat, you sit, you watch the world go by. And now I'm back in Toronto and within days I'm punching in my Starbucks mobile order so it's ready for me the minute I walk into the store. Forget connecting or chatting with the barista. It's in and out. And that frenetic energy... That speed that accompanied me everywhere before Spain, it's back. And I hate it. But I find I'm having trouble accessing that slow, patient, easygoing part of me. We really are products of our environment. I thought I would have trouble slowing down, but no, I adjusted. And life was better that way. And now I'm back, and there's school runs, practice runs, events, parties, familial obligations. My calendar is filled like it always was, and I slipped right back in but this time with a consciousness that it can be different. Life can be different. I can be different. I wish I could say I've taken this newfound knowledge and applied it here, but I haven't. Old habits die hard and that's okay, but now I know I can live differently if my environment has changed. And I believe I'll choose this once the kids are out of the house and I've got that freedom to change my life again. And the last question, was it transformative? And I realize now that that word carries such pressure. Am I transformed? Are my kids? No, at least not that I can see now. But here's what I do see. I believe this experience showed my kids how resilient they are and how they can show up somewhere new and make friends and connections. My eldest, who's never been interested in traveling, now is interested in a year abroad for schooling. My youngest, who had fears and anxieties popping up all over the place while we were away, ended up creating a strategy for herself to overcome her fears by creating an invisible VR headset when we did scary things, like riding a camel through the Sahara. 
and now she can rely on herself to get through scary experiences and see that she enjoys them once she does. But travel does that, doesn't it? It exposes us to different people, different ways, different ideas about how to live in this world. And that's the takeaway. Did we get closer as a family? For sure. Did we lean on each other when we were lonely or scared? Absolutely. I'm eternally grateful for this gift we gave ourselves. And when anyone asks, how was your year away? I really have only one way I can describe it. It was like living in a dream. So that's it, my Majorca recap. And now as I sink back into work, family, and friends, I'm starting to ask myself what the future holds for this podcast. Here's what I know. I miss having connecting, emotional, and sometimes vulnerable conversations with people. It's something I love and yearn for. But the format of season one took it out of me because the editing and style in which I formulated the episodes was simply too much. So I'm thinking of a new style, a long format style for these conversations with limited editing. I imagine you, the listener, dropping into the conversation as if you're walking by two people at a party huddled in the corner and you catch a phrase that grabs you, that feels so honest, so raw, so vulnerable that you stop and you're like, whoa, what are you two talking about? That's what's interesting to me. So if you're listening and you or someone you know wants to be heard, has a story or an experience to share, please reach out to me. Send me an email at erica at everyonehasastorypod.com because I need more of you in my life. I no longer have Spain to show me the ways in which we're all different and yet still connected. And I'm hoping to find that in these conversations. And a final thank you to you, because I almost didn't do this, this new episode, out of shame and embarrassment for how long it's been. But enough of you have asked me if I plan to keep going, and so I will say that I'm feeling into what I want for this podcast and what I'm able to do. And I don't want to put pressure on myself to be consistent in my episodes if I don't have the content. So I'm looking for you to help me with this and just know that your patience and support is carrying me through. And for that, I am so, so grateful. Thanks for listening and stay tuned for more of season two. Uh-huh. Hey, yeah. mm-hmm. Music and lyrics by Eden Herzog. Morning, whisper. To my window today Wake up, child Something's on its way And just when I think I'm about to embrace Something opens wide And just when I think it's Hey everyone, I'm back with season two, and I feel invigorated and ready to have inspiring conversations with people ready to feel it all. I can't say that there will be a specific theme for this season, but I can promise that I'm searching for people with interesting stories who have found growth in their experiences. In these conversations, I'm hoping to learn, to be surprised, to stay curious, and always to feel connected. But I need you. I need your stories. So please, If you know someone or you feel called to tell your own story, reach out to me at erica at everyonehasastorypod.com or on Instagram at everyonehasastorypod because it might be your story that someone really needs to hear. Thank you for listening.